Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord? Isn't it good, no matter what happened to you this week, to be here, to know God is with us, we're with one another, to hear the songs of praise, to hear the testimonies through songs. Thank you, guys, through the music here. Thank you, Pastor Gatra, too. The children's story, and as I walked in this morning, I had such a blessing because I saw my brother, we call him Uncle Don Charbonneau back there. He's been gone from us for weeks, had illness after illness, and he is here today. Will you give a amen to the Lord and a hallelujah for me? So good to see you. So good to see you, Don. Praise God. Well, I am um, decided, I am more of a teacher than a preacher, so we're going to learn today and do some fun. So I'm going to start with a little quiz, and I want you to shout out, and kids, you can help me fill in the blank, okay? So here's one, strong as an ox, good, busy at, like a bee, okay, bee or beaver, I heard both, the patience of a Oh, are you a saint? Hold on to that. We're going to talk about that. Are you a saint? Our summer series comes out of Galatians 5, particularly verses 22 and 23, in which we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And today we talk about the fruit of patience. Now, you know, whenever Pastor Tara comes up with these series and we talk about the months before they happen, the summer series we all get to preach in, I always pray about it, and invariably the Lord assigns me something I would not have naturally taken. (laughs) So I was assigned patience. And when I thought about patience, I thought, okay, now I'm going to have to talk about um, waiting or being patient in line. Or those orange people, the orange men, do you know who I'm talking about? These are the people that go along the freeway and put little orange cones out and then wait weeks before they ever show up to do any work. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I need patience. Would you pray for me? I need patience with these people. But when I looked up the word about patience, I was surprised. It was not so much about, you know, waiting tolerantly, um, but it was more about something else. The word in the Greek is a mouthful. For anyone who cares, it's called makrothumeo, but it comes from two words put together, as many Greek words are. English as well, and it means long and passion, long and passion. In other words, long to get to where you're stirred up and passionate about something. It means long-tempered, slow to anger, long-suffering, and forbearing. Now, this very word was used in a in a parable we all know that Jesus told, the parable of the unmerciful servant. How many of you know that parable? You know that parable. Great. The parable of the unmerciful servant goes like this. So when a servant 
is um, called before the king because he owes a huge amount of debt. In fact, he owes so much debt, and I don't know how he did this. It, it feels like it must have been extortion, but I don't know how. He racked up so much debt with the king that it would take a lifetime of service for him to repay it. And when the king finally real, looks at his records and realizes what this guy has done, he says, throw him in jail and his family, his, whole ch- his children, his wife, everybody, until they pay back every cent. Now, this servant throws himself at the feet of the king, and he asks the king for this macrothumeo. He asks him for long-suffering so that he can pay it back. I don't know what the servant is thinking. Has that come across your mind at all? He thinks he can pay this back, but he asks for long-suffering. And the king does more than that. He mercifully forgives the debt in its entirety. But in the next scene, and I have a slide for this one, the forgiven servant goes out, finds a servant who owes him a few days' wages, takes him by the throat, and throws him in jail until he can pay it back. Hmm. He asked for long-suffering, but he didn't give it. Now, long-suffering, by the English definition, is long and patient endurance of of injury, trouble, or provocation. It's a description of God's character, really. For in Exodus 34, 6, we learn that the Lord presented himself to Moses in the mountain, and he proclaimed himself as there was no one better to proclaim him. And he proclaimed himself, the Lord Yahweh, Yahweh a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. There is that idea, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Just like our song, his goodness is running after, running after us. This patience was manifested by God in the long history of Israel. Her faithlessness, generation after generation. And it was certainly seen in the life of Jesus as he patiently bore with his willful disciples, instructing and correcting them. And as he bore with the scribes and the Pharisees, even in his rebukes, he was inviting them to the kingdom. And we see it particularly as he bore his long, cruel trial, his beating, suffering, and his death on the cross. Father, forgive them. What did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Isaiah 53 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. Long suffering. So let's look again at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 
when you look at this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, I think self-control was supposed to be on there, but I, I guess I left it off or my something, but it's there too. When you look at that, is that a list of to-dos? Or is it your inheritance in Christ? Is it your current experience? It seems to me that among all these fruits, this one, patience, might be the most telling. It's the most difficult to produce, naturally speaking. So I ask you again, are you a saint? Am I? The promise of the new covenant is this, friends. A new heart I will give you. A new spirit I will put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a new heart of flesh. And I will cause you, listen, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Romans 6 teaches us that in baptism, our old nature was buried with Christ so that we might be raised with him to live a new life. This new life, the new heart, is our birthright. It's our identity. And it's our inheritance. Some of us we're surprised and dismayed to learn sometime after our baptism that the old dead man was still alive and kicking with us. Did that happen with any of you? It did with me when I was a, a, young, a youngster. I was baptized when I was, I think, 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old. And from, the t- the time, from that time until probably I was midway through high school, I must have gone forward again for seven more calls because I kept thinking it didn't take. I kept thinking something's wrong. I, I, still, I still have this old way of doing things with me. Well, this shouldn't surprise us because Galatians 5 explains this paradox. So let's look at verse, if you have your Bibles, look with me at Galatians 5. In chapter, uh, verse 17, it says this. For the flesh, that is our natural way of being, desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Oh, that explains it. Do you relate to this at all? Or I'm the only one sitting here with this struggle. So, let me explain this. We are now like, we're like an old jalopy that we took to a fine auto mechanic and a new engine was installed next to our old one, a turbo engine. So now we have two engines under our hood, okay? A dual engine automobile. You see, the presence of sin is still with us. 
at the cross, Jesus took care of the consequence of sin. When he was resurrected and he gave us the spirit, he takes care of the power of sin. But the presence of sin is still with us until the day Jesus comes and gives us our new body when this mortal is clothed by immortality, swallowed up. So, though the presence of sin is with us, however, we have the Holy Spirit, and the power of sin need not control it, us. Verse 16 says, of chapter 5, Galatians, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So now, you have been freed. We talked about this last week with uh, Dr. Eric Carter and the week before with Pastor Tara. You've been freed. You are not bound to sin anymore. You're not required to live in your old nature. Now you have a switch that was installed in your old jalopy, okay? And with that switch, you can choose which engine you use. You following me? Okay, so you can choose, and Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, that is, we have come to inherit the new life in Christ by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. We can choose to live empowered by the Spirit. As you first chose Christ, you can now continue in that choosing. And the Spirit will be the power for your engine. We do not live by our own power, friends. We live by the Spirit. This is not behavior modification on the old man, the old natural being. This is a new creature, but we have a choice. We have a switch. When we receive Jesus, we are fully accepted in him. Amen? Fully accepted. Fully accepted. And we are given a new heart. And that new heart has new capabilities. It has new leanings, new tendencies. But it's powered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is not magical thinking. We still experience trials and hardships and grief. Listen, I've seen people fall away, and I've been tempted myself, when after accepting Jesus, the garden of roses never comes. The bed of flowers never comes. Instead, hardship, trial, vicissitudes of life continue. This is not magic. This is not fantasy. But what we have now are new options for how we respond to these situations. We're still in the world, but we're no longer of it. Does this make sense? So now we have access to what we did not previously have. So let me put this another way. In another way, in, in a way, our life in the spirit is like a zip file. Have you ever downloaded something from the internet and it's too large to just come um, as it is so it comes in this compressed zip file? When you received the Holy Spirit, you received everything you need to live life 
in Jesus Christ. But you may not have discovered that yet because you haven't opened the zip file. Okay? So you, in this zip file, you have everything that you need, but you'll spend the rest of your life opening that file and applying all that the file has already given you. In other words, this is a lifelong learning process. How to walk with what Paul calls here in Galatians 5 is walking in the spirit. We're learning. We're children learning. I've always been just amazed at how quickly children use the computer. People like myself who were not raised with computers, we still often, many of us, have a bit of, you know, tenacity and, I, or I should say, temerity um, when we approach the computer. We're not quite sure. If we open this, what will it do? A child doesn't have that. A child doesn't have that concern. They just try things. And so my kids were always ahead of me. And I still, to this day, I call them and say, how do I do this? How do I do that? We are not to have temerity regarding the spirit. Let's be like children. Let's find out what God has given us. And all the time that you're learning, this is not about absolute perfection, friends. This is about growing in grace. All the time that you're learning, you are bathed in grace, in the full forgiveness, acceptance, and approbation of God. Amen? That's where you are right now. Let me say that again. You are bathed while you are learning, while you're taking your tremulous steps in the spirit. You're bathed in full forgiveness, acceptance, and the approbation of God. So, how do we walk in the spirit, practically speaking? We listen, we follow, and we trust. It's that simple. I didn't say it was easy always, but it's that simple. We listen, we follow, we trust. The power to do comes from God, but the choice is ours. And all the while we are learning to better listen, growing in understanding, experiencing the Holy Spirit, how he leads, how he directs, how he empowers. We are wrapped in the continual love of God and his lavish forgiveness. So let's return to the parable of the unmerciful unmerciful servant. Do you realize when that servant left the king's presence having been forgiven this exorbitant debt, he never saw himself as forgiven and valued? He never saw himself as forgiven and valued. He continued in his old ways, never allowing the grace of the king to transform him the way he saw himself. So despite the king's lavish forgiveness, the servant went out still carrying the debt he had been forgiven. 
seeing himself as an unforgiven man, a man who still needed to prove himself, he took his fellow debtor by the throat. I'm going to say something, and I might shock you. God is not particularly concerned about sin. God is not focused on sin. He's not focused on the sin in you. He is focused on the Son in you. He is Christ-focused, the Son he loves. You've been transported from the dominion of darkness you have been transported into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son he loves, a kingdom of love. And that is God's focus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. And you stand, according to Romans 5, in a place of favor, of grace. So we need to learn to see ourselves the way God sees us. It really is here, right here. The renewing of the mind, like Romans 12 says. You have been lavishly, ridiculously forgiven. I have been lavishly, ridiculously forgiven. God sees us no longer as sinners, but as saints. His people, chosen, set apart, belonging to him with the nature of his son in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just going to pause for a minute because I want you to think about that. God sees you no longer as a sinner. Don't keep working from that, that position. Don't keep working from that engine. He sees you as a saint, chosen, set apart, belonging to him with the nature of his son in you by the Holy Spirit. So let's look again at Colossians 1, 12 through 13. I love this. I love this passage. The Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance, notice the tense, who has qualified you, past, present, future, what's the tense there? Again? Past. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance, having rescued us from the dominion of darkness, bringing us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's what makes us his holy people. So now let me ask you again. Are you a saint? Are you a saint? Yes. Well, have you accepted the king's grace? Has he rescued you from the dominion of darkness? Have you been forgiven and transported into the kingdom of the son he loves? Then you are a saint. 
And because you live within the constant comfort of the Father's forgiveness and love, you may now also freely give that love. There is the freedom Galatians is talking about. You are free to love because you live not with that old, groaning, ugly, irritable engine. You work and live with this engine that continually fills you with love. Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So, you are free to love, to forbear, and to forgive as you walk in the Spirit. You have the patience of a saint.